Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This is the Art of Wrestling with professional wrestler Colt Cabana. All right. How you guys doing? Come on in. Sit down. Relax. Put in those tweaked audio earbuds. You're about to listen to The Art of Wrestling, a professional wrestling podcast, the life podcast. It's a personal journal. It's an entryway into the minds, the souls, the hearts, and the lives of the people involved in the world of professional wrestling. I am your host. My name is Colt Cabana. I'm a survivor. I'm a survivor. I'm a podcaster. I'm a personality, but most importantly, I am a professional wrestler, and I am sitting here live in the studio, apartment in Chicago, Illinois. Hey, before we go any further, this is a fan-supported and listener-supported podcast, supported by people just like you. We give it to you free of charge every single Thursday on WeLoveColt.com, Stitcher Radio, and on iTunes. A couple great ways that you could support, rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. Tell a friend, let somebody know what's going on over here via social media, via mouth, via text message. If you do have a couple of dollars in your pocket, head on over to ColtMerch.com, DigitalColt.com. T-shirts, buttons, pictures, posters, DVDs. DVDs, digital downloads, premium podcasts, up now the brand new live from the studio apartment t-shirt. Make a purchase. Help support this little thing. I appreciate it so much. DigitalColt.com and ColtMerch.com. Why was I singing Beyonce right there? I'm going to tell you in a second. Just Incredible is on the show, and we had a conversation a couple weeks ago, and it's crazy the timing of what happened to me syncing up with the exact story that we start off this podcast with. Spooky, almost, if you think about it. I don't want to overlook the fact that I was in Mexico before I tell this story because I was in Mexico this week and that should be the story. That should be this whole opening of the podcast that I was in the Monterey Coliseum. It was 120 degrees, no air conditioning, a sweat lodge, tiny locker rooms, dirty locker rooms. And guess who loved it? Me. And Tommy Dreamer. He was with me. He loved it too because that's pro wrestling. I mean, I love my life. The idea that I was in this situation, reading the dirt sheets as a kid, being on the internet and hearing about these stories, and then participating in the stories. I'm a Jewish kid. I grew up in these upper middle class suburbs of Chicago. I am going on some of the craziest adventures that I dare say nobody from my upbringing is even coming close to going on. I mean, here I am sharing a locker room and a ring with the Vianos, with Mil Mascaris, Blue Demon Jr., so many legends of Mexican Lucha Libre wrestling and I'm going out there having the time of my life enjoying myself. I dare I say 
I think I kind of got over doing some silliness in the crowd wrestling a guy named the son of Fishman who did not speak the same language as I did. Went out there, just tried to do what we do. I threw a little of my razzmatazz on there, and I think it, I think it went really well. And from that aspect, I don't want to overlook my trip to Mexico, but I have to. I have to because I got a story for you. I did come from an upper middle class suburb of Chicago where nobody's going to the arenas of Mexico to wrestle, but also nobody's shooting people in the streets and nobody's dying. I watched a man die in the street in Vancouver, Canada after a comedy wrestling show. And uh, it was it was very intense. I've had dreams before of stuff like this, and I know that people aren't supposed to die in dreams, but I've dreamt of watching people kill themselves, shooting other people in dreams, and that might mean I'm a fucked up person or it has some completely different reasoning. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I'm not the guy who dissects dreams, but I know I've dreamt of it before, and a little bit of this looking back is kind of a, a, a dream. It's still, it's still surreal to even think about that it's happened. I'm not going to go on about it for 20 minutes. The show I did it with was with a guy named Ryan Beal, and the other guy was Graham Clark. Graham Clark and Dave Shumka have one of my favorite podcasts called Stop Podcasting Yourself, and we talk a lot about it on their podcast coming up this week. So go download that and listen to that for the sake of hearing most of the story and then also a lot of comedy to go on with that because they have an amazing podcast. But all three of us were, were involved in it. Dave was the one that got shot at. Graham called 911, and I'm a guy who luckily was signing autographs and taking pictures and not going outside while a man was shooting people and then took his own life. The CBC, which I think is like the CNN of Canada, they contacted me. They wanted to know all about it. I decided not to talk to the cameras, which I know is a weird thing coming from the world of professional wrestling where we're all dying for any kind of media attention. But I decided to step back on this one. I, I don't know. I didn't think it was the right thing to do. But I am okay to, I guess, talk about what happened, let the feelings be known. This guy was mentally ill, and he came out, and he just ran up, and he tried to shoot Dave Shumka, and then he tried to shoot somebody else, and then took his own life. I mean, luckily, Dave got out of the way, and we talk all about that on his podcast, but I've never been involved in anything like this, and it's pretty wild. And it's pretty wild that in this podcast, Justin Credible talks about people coming to his house with a gun, where when we had the conversation, I couldn't relate to him, and I'm kind of thinking, ah, I don't even know, you know? That doesn't happen to people. And then here I am a couple weeks later going, that happened to me. This could happen to anybody. Dave got shot at. A bullet grazed his head. I'm not going to give life lessons and life speech saying, you know, live your life. You only get one chance. But a lot of me is playing this back. And luckily, I'm happy. I'm okay with the idea that the asshole that was trying to murder people was the only one that died. I think we'd be in a whole different situation if he had taken people out and killed people at the show that I was at. And I was going through my whole head going, people came to this show because of me. I invited people into the idea that they could get shot at because of me. People had came. Because of me, people could have had died. And I don't think this is a therapy situation. I, I think I'm okay. But you go through the woulda, couldas, and shouldas. And I've gone through that with my career. I've gone through that with family. And now you go through that with life, with actual real life. This man was mentally ill. I watched blood drip out of his brain onto the street. I watched crime scene investigators come to the scene. I watched police take testimonials. I watched the news run up with cameras. It was completely circumstantial. Circumstantial. It had nothing to do with comedy wrestling show. This guy wasn't pissed off that we were making fun with wrestling. 
He was pissed off with something. Mental illness. And I've talked about that with my father. And I know Marty talks about that on his podcast. You know, I'd love to have Chris Nowinski on the podcast talk about what we're doing with our heads as wrestlers. But who knows what the fuck's going on with everybody else's head. I'm not saying I'm the guy to start an advocate. I'm just saying I was now involved in it firsthand. And I see it. And it's real. And it's happening. And it's fucking nuts. Speaking of real... I don't want to overlook Just Incredible on the podcast this week. He gets real, and uh, it's pretty intense, too. I'll just say this. This is a theme with a lot of wrestlers. It's not a wrestling theme, but it's a life theme because of the lifestyle that the wrestlers of the past had lived. Justin is going through it, and I know and believe he's one of the good ones, and I'm rooting for him. I'm rooting hard for him, and I want to see Justin succeed at this stage of his life. And it's important to talk about the past in order to go into the future. This was a really good talk, and I, and I really am rooting for you. All right, the song this week is Gypsy Soul. It's about being on the road as a wrestler. It's done by my friend, Jimmy Jacobs. He's a pro wrestler. He's been on the podcast. He's also got all his songs up on iTunes. Go support him. Go support this singing wrestling man. Jimmy, sing to us, and then we'll be back with Just Incredible. Memories and feeling, but it'll never It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. 
ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Just a regular night. Uh, it was like 10.30 at night. I go to bed real early. My wife was upstairs, and um, she, was, she was sleeping with uh, our youngest and I was downstairs watching TV where all the whole house was kind of just passed out. You know, we go to, like I said, I get up at like five in the morning. So, um, you know, I guess what the police said was uh, three black dudes with two of them had Halloween masks. One of them had glasses and a hat, uh, broke in through the back window. One of them snuck, the skinny guy, I guess it was a skinny guy, snuck in, opened up the sliding back, um, checked all the room. Went, there's a corridor with the three bedrooms. Mine and my wife's room is on the one is the first one. She locks it because my brother's kind of a scumbag. He steals her cigarettes. Well, good, good thing he steals your cigarettes, right? <laughs> no, so anyways, you know our wallet and shit. So we just locked the door, and um, you know it was locked. So whatever, they go into his room and his girl's room is on the left. And they have a kid. My dad, and mom's where they stay. The master area is on the right. So they go in there. They point a gun at them. Zip time. Say if you make any noise. You know, we'll shoot your kid in the face. Kid was sleeping. You know, they're getting ready to go to sleep. And uh, so they make the girl, they have those plastic zip ties. They make the girl uh, knock on my parents' door, say, hey, you know, they heard a familiar voice. Hey, you know, it's Michelle. Let me, you know, got to talk to you or whatever. And uh, they barge right in there and tied my parents up who were elderly, you know. And uh, but the rib is, you know, they have gold, and you know, my dad had a, you know, probably a five hundred dollar necklace on, gold necklace, and my mom had diamond ring, wedding right. ring, and um, they, took some they got well, they got so uh, they were looking for a safe that they thought was in the house with money. So this was a hit. This was a uh, a planned hit. They knew my father's name and my brother, his name. They never mentioned my name. That was what they. I didn't. I first. I, this is what they said to police. Right. I, I didn't. You we know, know they, just incredible's in here. We've seen him no, on TV. Nothing. No, he has I, to have millions. I, I, of it dollars. kind of hurt my ego a little bit, <laughs> quite honestly. Uh, but all kidding aside, like you know, and uh, what my mom did, she's like a crazy psycho bitch. Um, she's like those old school. <laughs> you're, Euro- but you're allowed to say that because she's your mom. Well, right? she's like a, those little old European ladies. You know, they're like stay in the bed. You know, they tied her hands. She's like, I'm going to the. You know, there's a bathroom in the bedroom. You know, I'm going to the bathroom to get some medicine. I don't feel good. You know, so she went. She just walked up and went over there. But then she picked up her cell phone, her instincts, and. Um, you know, they thought she didn't dial anything, but they thought that maybe this lady dialed 911 or whatever. So they locked him in. They pushed him into the bathroom, locked the door and left. Rib was, you know, they didn't take her rings that she had taken off. I guess that scared him enough away. And they got five bucks out of my old man because he never has cash on him. So five bucks in my mom's cell phone. That's all they took? That's. I had my laptop on the kitchen table, and that's the first thing they see. That's so weird because to, I'm we're I'm out of we're out of town. I'm out of town right now. Yeah, and I, I just got a, an email from like everybody in my building saying that there was another break in. There's been yeah. two break ins. It, it's it's it, I and then my poor father comes down, and you got to imagine. I mean, this it's hard. I mean, I'm trying to make light of it, but he wears one of those uh, sleep apnea masks, so he comes down like Darth Vader mask, <laughs> like fucking panicking, and I'm like on the couch, like TV's on, but. I'm sleeping, and he's like, "Oh my god, oh my god!" And I'm, you know, you nip up, you know. I was like, "What the fuck happened?" He thought maybe they shot me or hurt me. Oh, because you're just kind of crashed on the. 
Right. Well, you know, they, because I wasn't, you know, God forbid. I mean, if I would have gone upstairs and not knowing to get a glass of water or something, mm-hmm. you could have get hurt, you know. Well, a quick reaction. He turns around. Who's this yeah, guy moving I mean, at Obviously, me? they were scared and they had no idea what they were doing. No idea. But they knew that somehow maybe there was something there. was something there in there. Wanted. They're probably, dude, the way they sounded, they, were, they, they didn't want flat screens because we have flat screens. They didn't want a laptop. They just wanted cash. Probably a bunch of crackheads, whatever. Yeah, but they had a plan. They had masks. Yeah, it was crazy. Dude, it was crazy. What, is it what part of... Uh, I live in a good part of uh, water, of- Waterbury, Connecticut. Yeah. I live in a cul-de-sac. <laughs> we leave... We, and this is... Uh, the funny thing is, I sometimes my wife works nights. Um, sometimes I leave the, we leave the front door unlocked. Because it's, it's one of those towns. Huh? It's one. It's one of those places. I mean, I, my kids. Uh, everything. It's just. It was. I mean, I guess it doesn't take a car, you know much to drive up to a nice area, though. right? You know. But anyways, it was just. It was really like you know. It's. I. You feel so unsafe and helpless, mm-hmm. and you know, my dad's just holding on to me, crying like a girl, and I mean, not in a bad way. We're just. It's real emotion. It's yeah. real fear because you know. Yeah, everybody talks shit, but when there's a gun pointed to your head, you don't know until you get there. And I'm glad I didn't find out, dude, because I'm sure I would have cried like a little well, schoolgirl. When I was like, when I was kind of yeah. younger, I would always have like, you have these daydreams to yourself. Like, if a guy came in and you're at the convenience store, you kick it out of <laughs> him. Steven Seagal, yeah. But I yeah. find as I get older, I have the same daydreams, and I think about myself in my daydream, rationalizing it and kind of hiding in the corner like I'm not a hero anymore. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> so I can only imagine if it was to happen in real uh, time. Uh, somebody likes me up there if there's God and because I've, first of all, I shouldn't be alive with the shit I've done. Be my wife, you know what I mean? It's like they didn't fuck with her room and I was downstairs. You know, I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah. The police, in the, it came in the local paper um, my hometown paper, and that was actually um, how it got the attention. I just uh, tweeted a picture of it, you know, because I just had to express it to somebody. I don't have a lot of friends, so I was just like, "This is unbelievable! I got to tell this story to somebody." And uh, they they agreed that you know we were targeted, right? You know, but uh, you know, it kind of hurt my feelings, and it wasn't for me. <laughs> you know? So okay, I mean, you came in, you were saying, man, like how like uh, emotionally, it's it's still a little. I'm is that I, the, is that number one on the list of. Uh, it yeah i mean i just feel violated if i'm trying to think you of know. my life of stuff that's kind of fucked me up i don't think that's ever happened to me they, I, it, it didn't fuck me up but you just really wonder like you know you're not you just anything can happen anytime like now i'll get out, out, of, out of my bed to piss at four in the morning or whatever and it's like you worry about what's right. around the corner like every fear you had when you were a kid about mm-hmm. the, it's being dark and it's almost like that came true like you know what I mean? Because but it, the, the reality is, is I think in six months that fear will go away. I think so. But then, so, then that's when you're not on your on your guard. Yeah, yeah it's just it, it's just real weird. It's it, it's you know I I don't wish that on my worst enemy. I mean it's just weird. And this scary. so this is to go on top of everything. So you're now you're like hey I'm I'm getting back at it right yeah, and yeah. Uh, I think that's why it's important to have you on. Had Jake on. Yeah. I don't want to like you're a young, ready to go. No, wrestler. but I, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. Um, but we've heard this before, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the difference. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. Like every uh, time uh, somebody says this, like I want to super believe them. Well, and, and especially because you, you're such a fucking cool dude. My difference is I never really did it before. You know. Um, I first of all, there's a level of embarrassment that goes with it. You know, when you're an addict, you think, you know, you're fooling everybody. I mean, I, I pretty much, you know, 
never once this, this is the first time i went to a treatment center stayed in a treatment center and then followed what i was told i mean could could this all end today i, I mean i got a show tonight if i pick i could pick up tonight right there's no guarantees especially you know i'm not i'm not a preacher and i don't come to preach like any aa shit or na shit but you know they say take it one day at a time and and you know and and what they mean by that is you know it's quite daunting to say to yourself if especially if you used to party i'll never ever take a drink again or never do another drug again um you know you can't wrap your mind around that especially if that was something you did and enjoyed so uh one thing that really helped me was this young girl uh, that would spoke um at this meeting at the rehab i was at she said you know she was 22 pretty pretty girl and she was all fucked up she said i couldn't picture never doing this again at my young age my entire adult life never drinking again because her problem was alcohol and the, but the one thing she said but one thing i could wrap my head around was i just i'll wake up every morning and say i just won't do it today I might do it tomorrow, but just won't do it today. And then you wake up and you say it every day, kind of. Mm-hmm. And that it, you know, it's just, and that's really what I do. I mean, I, I have a journal that I write in every day. Just I, I really work on the inside now. Like I, I try to, you know, just use my. I've never been sober. You know, never. I've said sober right before because I was trying to get my reputation back. And I would try, honest to God, try like wanting to get off, but embarrassed to ask for help and, and maybe put together two, three weeks of a stretch of, of not doing anything. But you don't have the tools. You know what I mean? I never had the tools. And I was at a point in my life, I was, you know, the past, I'd say three, four years, I was an IV heroin user. I mean, it's pretty heavy stuff. I mean, I graduated from the first pill I ever took was the Scott Hall after a you know, high school show in somewhere in Massachusetts, and Scott and I still talk about it. And you were you were in high school, or no, you... no, no, it was a high school show. I was like nineteen years old. For I was WWE even, for WWE. I wasn't even Aldo yet. I was PJ. They Walker. did high school shows. Yeah, that was the B-town. Those were the B- They were B-town, doing B towns yeah. then. And uh, me and Razor were traveling together, and uh, I wasn't even of legal age to drink. We were in a small bar, and he's you know I'm drinking, and he's like, take this because I hurt my shoulder. I was wrestling Brooklyn Brawler. <laughs> everybody wrestles bro <laughs> but uh anyways and you know he just put a, something in my drink uh because i was bitching about the pain and you know i guess it was vicodin percocet whatever it was and i liked the way it felt and right. i was like whoa you know like i could feel like this all the time you know i just felt great what are your thoughts on scott like looking back at it now i mean i for me I don't know. I, I think like, do you have any hostility, hostility against Scott no, for doing no. that? No, I we talk. We've talked about this. Uh, actually, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago because WWE does a sponsored Wednesday night, uh, like a through a conference call, like a sponsored AA meeting kind of thing with a real addiction specialist and a lot of the guys that have gone through through WWE call up. You know, Jake's been a part of it. I've been a part of it. Scott's been a part of it. There's other guys I just won't, you know, anonymity. No need to, right. But uh, it's a cool thing. And Scott actually says that he has uh, feelings that kind of bother him about the path I was on. So I was, you know, I was one of those guys that all I ever wanted to do was wrestle. I never did drugs in high school, never drank. You know, I worked out, did backyard wrestling, <laughs> went to the Hart Brothers in Calgary at 18. Well, you know, with money I'd earned, because that's all I ever, you know, wanted. Yeah. And uh, it just... And uh, I want to... Yeah. We're going to get into that you know, later. But, I want to get into that. It, but. The, the thing was, I just wanted to be... You know, it's very... You know, I wasn't prepared for that, kind of. I wasn't equipped social with the social skills to be in the WWE, F, whatever it was back then. Which is so weird, because age, you, know you I mean? say, I don't have the social skills, yet it's notorious that your buddies 
were the most were well, like the social. Well, right, <laughs> but that's what it was. You know, it was. I was just trying to belong to something. I felt like you know I never belonged. Right, but you belonged to the guys who like dominated right. that well, I mean, backstage. I did, I did, you know, I did and I didn't. I mean, I was their their tool, you know, <laughs> their whipping boy, but. At the same extent, that gave me an education in wrestling. I mean, I was in the car. Dude, I, I know where the bodies are buried in Stanford. Wow. You know, someday I would like, you know, I don't want to bury the business, not bury the business, expose anything that I know about persons in the business. But, I've, I mean, I have shit on every major guy that went through that territory, including Vince yeah. and Stephanie. And, and it's, just, it's just wicked stuff that you see. And, you know, and uh, I just, it was, what an education, you know. Um, and that's why I say, you know, you say you want to believe it, and I want to believe myself. No, and I don't. No, but no, yeah. I, no, no, dude, I hear you, and I and I don't, and I understand. I mean, it's almost like that's why, like one thing they teach you in rehab, and like I said, I didn't have the tools to. You really, when you have a serious problem, people don't understand uh, addiction. They say it's a disease. It's a disease, but it's a disease. Of, it's like a mental thing. It's like almost like mental illness where you're if you're not equipped to understand why you did what you did. And they just, it's a whole process. I mean, it's, it's, it's something that I can't just rest on my laurels. I can't say, okay, now I'm sober. Right. It's something I have to work for. I still go to AA meetings every, not every day anymore, but I did 90 meetings in 90 days fresh out of rehab. And I still, um, like, I'm, I'm not one of those guys, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Like, I still, um, you know, do certain things. Like, I wake up, I write in my journal, I do these little self help things every day before I do anything, before I start my day, I, like with my coffee and my cigarette in the morning. That's the first thing I do, and I, as I write in it to kind of remind myself. I even got this tattoo, and we'll go into that. that looks fresh. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, just, I got just Monday. Um, <laughs> but just kind of to remind me what I've been through and not to go back to what it was. So I just want to keep, you know, I'm afraid. I don't want to be that. I, I, mean, I, was, I became a bad person. I always had integrity. I was honest. I was a good fucking guy. I mean, well, you know, I'll and, say this. There's guys in wrestling that I've been around that, like, it's, you say you've never went off. And there's guys that you're like, oh, I mean, you, I've seen you in the locker room. We've been on how many shows together? Yeah. And... Sometimes a little, you know, to the left, and yeah. but sometimes clean as can be. 
but always like one of the sweetest, nicest, friendliest that's people. That's genuine. I mean, that's who I am. So, but I, it's hard know? for me, and I think fans also to see that you know there's this side to you. Yeah. But that's real. It's it is real. I mean, sometimes you know I, I don't want to you know people think we're not you know not of course we're human. But Some like, people don't, like, man. But they think we're something different than just flesh and bones. Like right. We have emotions. Like you know, you know, I, I, a lot of people talk shit. You know, and I try not to let it affect me. But deep down inside, you know, some things. I mean, there's some things I can give shit about. But some things that are more personal trigger emotion in you, whether it's negative or positive or or whatever. And I, I I'm, I can get wounded very easily, you know. <laughs> and, and and so could a lot of bigger names than me, right? You know. And uh, that's the thing is we're we're supposed to be these uh, superstar super hero impenetrable guys and we're all quite vulnerable that's why i think we're in this business to begin with we want to be somebody we're not i'm not pete polacco ain't a very cool guy um but you know i get to be somebody i never dreamed i could be and that's the complete polar opposite of who i really am but if you you look if you look at those twitter if you want to look at those twitter replies Mm. i mean twitter could be so great for for me for my ego to be like oh how awesome am i how awesome and then one guy being like you're the worst wrestler ever and it's just like oh no i'm not and that's when everybody who has that twitter is looking at that replies that one that one you could be told that a million times (laughs) you're you're great and that one guy that says you know you suck really hurt your feelings yeah you know what was so you said you went to rehab and uh what, what, was there a, a point that broke? I mean, they always say there's a, a breaking yeah, point, right? Yeah, I kind of, you know, it's kind of funny. I didn't, when I went there, I kind of didn't, the intention was kind of half-assed. Um, you know, I'd struggled. I was I was in real bad shape. I mean, not like, people confuse bad shape with like, he's about to die. No, I was just fucking flat broke in the hole, you know, and pretty much asking for my parents to loan me money every day to get a fucking, you know, I had a $150, $200 a day heroin habit. I mean, when you're an indie wrestler, right. you know the deal. And uh, so I'd pretty much, my father's like, look, dude, I ain't giving you any more money. Um, you know, and I would always pay him back for the most part, but you know, he was like, I'm done. I'm he knew what it was for. Everybody, my wife was on wit's end. Everybody was kind of done with me. I'd alienated promoters. Nobody wanted to deal with me. Um, and I kind of went just to not be sick. You know, I kind of had no more ways of getting money. And I knew if I was to not do something at this point, I was going to sit at home and puke for three, you know, two, three weeks and just be dope sick. So I called WWE and I got the ball rolling and I literally shot three bags of dope before I got on the plane to go to rehab in Baltimore. And uh, day 12 of like a miserable, I don't, you know, I don't know if, you know, it's, I started with opiates, painkillers, you know, perks, vikes, graduated, excuse me, an ECW to Oxy 80s via the Sandman. And, uh, Yo, yeah, try these. And, uh, you know, and then when Benoit died. Because um, then I was getting them from doctors when Benoit died. He, they just cut everybody off. That was just so mainstream. And like people really started to get smartened up. And then I was buying the pills off the street. So you were in WWE when Benoit died? <sighs> I don't, I'm not sure. If I wasn't, it was around... The, I think, if I'm not mistaken, it was around the ECW revamp. Gotcha. I mean, it was close to... The, I mean, I was... It wasn't because... Like, you know, but doctors knew I was at WWE. Gotcha. Whether I was there or not, it was around that time. And they related me. That's how... I, that was my work. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a big wrestler. Here's a couple 8x10s. There's an action figure. <laughs> Give me what I need. Right. You know, and then doctors just said, fuck that. So I was buying them off the street, but it's a fortune. It was like 30 bucks a pill. A pill. I needed like three or four to get off. And, uh, you know, then somebody said, hey, dude, if you snort a couple bags of heroin, 
it does the same thing and it's a lot cheaper so you you do that reluctantly then it's like ah and then again it's like well shit i only have enough for one or two bags it's not going to be enough some brainiac hey why don't you just shoot this and then i was just shooting heroin you know and 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 now it's you know it's it's going to be seven months hopefully uh june 19th um i can't imagine even putting i can't imagine you know doing that because yeah. i'm a pussy i hate needles i do i'll sit there taking a blood test like cringing but i sit there and jab myself with dull syringes to to not be sick yeah. it was just horrible anyways day 12 of rehab i, I fucking went went way off um i woke up at like you couldn't sleep i was shaking sweating my knees like literally the bed would clank against the wall because i would shake so much and uh, I just woke up one morning, and, you know, I felt better. The sun was, like, coming out. And I just was like, you know what? I don't know anything. I'm just going to assume everything these people here at this place are telling me is true. And I'm just going to follow direction. And, Were you hard-headed you know, before day 12? I, you're always Were you like, I know everything? You, these you guys are idiots? You do, yeah. yeah. And uh, I'd never, I always did it my own way. You know, uh, what they say, running your own program. You know, I, I, like, I'll do this part. This sounds cool, but I ain't going to do that part. For the first time in my life, and, and hey, my father said it too, and this really kind of, it was like, I was there during Thanksgiving of last year, and he goes, son, life is real hard. Just do something, finish something you start for once. Stay there the whole time. Because I'd always go to rehab and leave. You know, like a weekend. All right, I'm good. Life would never Mm. You're for you. You know you want to be. You, you know you're not doing it in a malicious way, but you. First time I just put it all aside. I said I'm just going to do what I'm told. I got out. I I was attentive. I was uh, I engaged in the process, and then when they said you know go to aftercare on my you know when you're on the outside, I went to aftercare. Do 90 meetings in 90 days. I did 90 meetings in 90 days. Get a sponsor. I got a sponsor, and it's amazing. Wow, you do what they're telling you. Life got better and better and better to where I'm at a point now where I can't believe if you would have told me seven months ago I would be feeling the way I do looking the way I do financially you know I'm not you know but I'm paying my bills I have a quality of life again relationships and it you know I, I just feel like you know for the first time in years man I feel alive so I almost feel like god I was I was jipping myself in the business as well because I was there but I wasn't there you know I wasn't creative I wasn't think you know, I was just trying to get by, get right. to the next pay, you know, payoff, and I just feel, God, what what would it be like to kind of go at it from this perspective, like almost starting over, you know? Do you remember when Chris Candido was like he was in a major funk, and then one day he kind of had the same thing? He's yeah. like, he's like, yeah. uh, I'm 33 or 34, and he went after, you know, unfortunately yeah. he passed. Yeah. Do you? Did he ever talk to you about that kind of he stuff? Didn't. Or, no, I, I don't know I, how close you were with Chris. I was pretty close with Chris, right. but I unfortunately, you know, with you know the business, when you, you could be close with guys you run with, and then you know you, you you fall off of talking to them all the time. But when you see them again, it's like you never stop talking. Mm. Unfortunately, uh, just you know, I had lost contact with him, but I, I heard he was doing phenomenal right before he passed in TNA, and that, just had his life together. Yeah, his that mental. really sparked with me because he was like, "This is all I." Because he had man, he had been. Maybe opened up a tanning place and yeah. hadn't been doing. He had been in wrestling for so long, and this yeah. is going to go right back to you because he had been in it since he was like, you know, Smoky yeah. Mountain at like yeah, yeah, eighteen yeah, yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And he had put in so much time, and then everyone was like, "Well, this guy's an old washed up." No, he was thirty three. He was right. a kid, right? And uh, all he had to do was kind of get back, and then everyone saw how awesome he was, and right. who knows where he could have went. Yeah. But 
same kind of. I mean, you've been around forever, but you're still. I mean, yeah, literally I'm a kid. Forty years old, right? You know, and and the the beauty of my situation is I've been blessed, man. I mean, I've never broke. I should never say this, especially before a show, but I've never broken a bone in my body. I I mean, I've never had surgery. I've never. I mean, I'm in good health, as good as anybody that that's 39 years old. Period. Whether you're in the business or not, I think. Um, partially because of yoga, I'm not. I'm not here. Like I'm not a paid spokesman for Dallas Page. Yeah, and I was very reluctant to, but I was like, eh, kind of. I'm good under structure. Structure works really well for me, and I didn't realize it until doing the, the rehab shit. But like, and he gave you know he sent me over the whole package with the book and the meals and like everything. I should. I, I think I got the book. I got. I've been very is skeptic. The word, but. Now it's, it's just it's so weird because we know wrestlers and yeah. and trying to you know yeah. push their stuff, but like man, right? I mean, how many people is it's it going to take it, to say it, yes? It's not even that crazy. Uh, it's just basically eating clean vegetables, all stuff that's good for you. And I just like I said, I just started listening to what it said and the yoga stuff. I kind of didn't believe it. I knew As he stretches out here on the bed, like in a full. <laughs> I was in the car for hours. Um, You're no, in a full but, yoga tee here, but. Uh, you know, it's just I knew yoga was good for you because they actually did it in treatment. They did yoga and meditation. Like I'm not into like that whole uh, mystic stuff, but I, I knew yoga had healing kind of principles with stretching and stuff. And I just figured, why not try it? And um, you know, I honestly I could probably use to lift some weights. I just, you know what I mean. I was like banging around. Yeah, but how just, many years have you were you? It lift, was just boring, right? You know, and it's just something new, and it's I, I really enjoy it, man. Good. I mean, it's not going to make me look like fucking Luger did back nope. in the day. No, nope. but uh, Warlord maybe. Yeah, maybe not. But uh, you know, it's, I'm like 205 right now, and I have abs. I've never had abs like ever. Who Who is the most jack guy you've been in a locker room with? Were you in Warlord locker rooms? Yeah, yeah. Was he ridiculous? Ridiculous, like big, like thick. Um, Warrior <laughs> was pretty big. Luger was pretty big. Yeah. I mean, not big. He wasn't so much big that he was just... Just you just look at him and you know together. I could never I, I could never, never be that, that guy. <laughs> never do that. And you know, he was just you know, and it's actually kind of a shame to see the way he's deteriorated because of his ailments, whatever they are. I don't even know what it is. But Ultimate Warrior a, looks great though. Does he? Have you seen his YouTube videos? No. Yeah, he's yoked still. He's uh, I'm surprised he didn't die yet. He's still around. <laughs> he's all fucked up. Yeah. Man. I never liked him, man. <laughs> no? He's just a nut. Right. You know? He's just not on this planet. And it's not, it, I'm sure some of it's a gimmick, but he's just on a different playing field. Who was, I forgot who they said his buddy was. Like, he did have a, a road buddy. Did he? Was it like, it was like Rick Martel or somebody like obscure. Uh, yeah, so that's usually how it works. And you always wonder, like, who was the road, Ultimate Warrior's yeah, road friend, yeah, you know? Yeah, Who's yeah. he sharing his intimate stories <laughs> his with? His intimate stories with God. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know, man. Well, okay, so so I, I do want to talk about, I, I, I don't, not that I research or anything, because how you know how well do I know you, and I've been around you forever, but I was like, oh, I'll look at his Wikipedia really quickly, and I, for the life of me, and I don't think you, I don't know if it's on you or not, to let people, the world know, I did not know that you went to the dungeon. Well, and, it wasn't really So it wasn't dungeon. the real dungeon. Right, okay. Right. I mean, if people put it on there, I mean, that's great. It sounds real cool. Right. Uh, what it was... But you it, did just come out, you said, I well, went I to the... Well, I did go heart. to... I, here's, here's, here's the whole story. I always assumed you were just, like, trained in... Who who are the nineteen ninety like northeast? Oh, you know like a, a yeah. mass um, maniac or, or I don't or, yeah, you know like yeah, oh, yeah. He, he he came up with those guys you know no, I don't God. know. <laughs> I would have never actually Paul Roma was around then. Too. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's what I just assumed. Paul yeah. Roma trained you yeah. and on you went to the well, do here's, the, here's, the enhancement matches. I didn't know anything about 
like the business at all and like i had a mark magazine i i say i was a senior in high school graduated 91 so uh, i was like the wrestler or inside wrestling or something and uh it had a i still have that article to this day and lance storm has it too it says dare to be great Hart brothers pro wrestling camp running uh, article or advertisement like an advertisement but it looks like an article kind of <laughs> genius thing. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh owned and operated by keith Hart. And, uh, you know, so I, you know, called and talked to whoever it was. And, you know, obviously there were, you know, it was a big work. But anyways, uh, you know, so I just, you know, I figured out this is what I want to do. This was my in because how else am I going to? I didn't know. I mean, I knew it was a work. I knew the game, you know, but I didn't know anybody or how to, you know, so I. And were you that kid in high school? Yeah. Yeah. Was there any other kids? Or there was it were. Just the, okay. There were. And uh, there was actually a couple of kids that uh, made, not made it, but it did indies after that. Because I, I had nobody in my yeah, school. Yeah, I had a couple. We had a backyard federation. Right. Called? Oh, oh, we just straight up ripped off NWA. We were the NWA. <laughs> you were the and I was Ric Flair. A backyard. I was Ric Flair. But the, back then, they didn't have like these cool fucking replica belts. They had the the foam ones, the NWA foam one. And uh, yeah, and then I'd take my dad's smoking jacket, like the smoking robes, like the corduroy 70s smoking robe, and put Nature Boy on the back. I'm sure he loved that. Oh, loved it. Take their mattresses from the bedroom. And, uh, and it was just, it was one of those things. And anyways, I went up there. And uh, Keith Hart really was like around like once a week. Can I say so? But the decision of uh, you were living where in, in Connecticut? In Connecticut. Yeah. And so you you say I'm I'm a senior. I see this article. Yep. I mean, get to me. How do you how you just go up there? Do you just? Oh, do- I uh, I pretty much worked that summer. As? Or actually, I just worked at like stop stop and shops, like a food store, a grocery store. Worked as like uh, grocery, you know, pricing, unloading the trucks, and I actually did that for. I think it took me like eight months, ten, eight nine months, something like that. And then the summer of '92 is when I actually went to Calgary. So you had a that's cool. You had a goal. You're like, I need X yeah, amount. I'm yeah. gonna work this yep. X amount. Yep. Because my parents don't have money. I okay. mean, they they were, you know, you said blue, blue collar factory from Portugal. From Portugal, yeah. Came over to America. Came over to America, yeah, nineteen seventy. You know, had me in seventy three. Why did they come to America? Just, uh, I think my dad's dad moved over here. It was just more opportunity. Uh, actually, you know, real quick thing on Portugal, they just got out of communism, uh, or socialism, whatever it was, and over here it was just more opportunity, more money, and you know, and they had family had that had previously come over so it was just one of those things where they work i mean we always had like we always lived in our own home but they worked like 50 60 hours a week you know they were always busting their balls your memories of them are working a lot yeah i mean they were there though they were just they were good people man just salt of the earth kind of you know do anything for you to this day my old man if i'm broken down somewhere i'm dad i'm in jersey come get me some bitch would get in his car and Come help me out, you right. know. But anyways, you know, so yeah, I just went up there and... Um, in a car? How long? No, no, no. I flew. Oh, okay. I flew. Calgary, it's like all the way in the north. I don't know uh, where my left and right is. It's like all the way on the other coast okay. um, in, in the north. And it was just, wow, what a... Like, we weren't in Calgary. We were like 40 miles on the outskirts, like in farm country. Yeah. And they put all the wrestlers up. Um, there was 10 of us that started the camp. They put us up uh, in this crack. It wasn't like a real crack motel, but it sure felt like it over a strip club. 
They're never in the downtown you know, hipster district no, of Calgary, right? No, no. <laughs> and it was, I mean, it was it was so bad. And, you know, like I said, I didn't drink. I didn't know what, you know, I didn't even go to the tip bar, barely. I'd go down there, like, during the day and play video games. Right. Those chicks taking their clothes off. Did you try to make a girlfriend or anything? Nah, actually, I did date a fat chick there for a minute. Not a stripper or a fat stripper? No, a no, fat chick. Just a fat chick. Yeah, I didn't have any game, dude. If you saw my pictures back then with the Seinfeld hair... Yeah, but that you know. Do you, are those roaming around anywhere? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah Scott Levy has some. Yeah. well, he has he has nothing to brag about with his yeah. some of his yeah. haircuts. But um, and it was just uh, ten of us started up there, and uh, two of us at the end were the only two guys left at the end. The other guy, I'm um, still in Toronto, and he he does indies and stuff, but he never really went anywhere. I think he did jobs like once. For, What's his wrestling name? Uh, Jake Steele. Okay, so generic sure. '90s, you know. Says just incredible. Wow. <laughs> just <know>. kidding. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I had to throw that. At nah, you. <laughs> I didn't come up with it. Um, but you know, it's uh, no, it was weird. And you know what? Actually, Lance and Jericho would come through the camp the year before. Okay, and they taught most of the camp. So in essence, I was trained by Lance Storm. Right. In reality, which you know, he was a year in the business. Should he have been training? Absolutely. Well, yeah, kind of. Yeah. He's like a fucking wrestling savant. Like he was just you know, and I had so much respect for him. He just the way he, at his young age composed himself. He just he always was that guy. Like he can't, must have come out of the womb like that <laughs> with the haircut. And the, Do you, you know? picture him in third grade, yeah, like dude, going up oh, for his absolutely. report? Yeah, yeah. You know. And Jericho was there, and uh, they used to both uh, bounce at this horrible, uh, like, club. It wasn't a strip club. It was just, like, a club club. And we'd always go see them, and, like, we thought they were so cool. Wait, so that was 93? That was 92. I'm picturing them silk shirts, Cavaricis. Oh, yeah, z Cavs. Hell, yeah, dude. Well, Jericho always had that gimmick going on. Right, he was always on a different. I'm planet. especially picturing them in those. Well, outfits, Lance, though. Lance though had uh, had his hair like he always had that cut, but he had like this rat tail bleached blonde. Yeah, but it was cool as shit then, right? Oh, I thought it was uh, like, yeah, he was like fucking Elvis. To me, you know? <laughs> it was fucking awesome. You know, I wanted to be him so bad, but he was like, you could just tell even then. Like, he was just so talented. Yeah. You know, he had, like, ama- what amazed me was his athletic ability. He was just, like, just, uh, you know, off the pages. But, anyways, that's how it all started, man. I had my first 10 matches up there, too. I'd actually come back after the camp ended, um, after two months. It was two months straight over there. Came back in September, and then they were going to start a territory, so they said. Who was that, Keith Hart? Uh, no, uh, one of the guys he was associated with, this old guy. Uh, from Calgary named Ed Langley, who just kind of was around the rest of the gonna, Were there Stampede Roamers at that point? There were. Yeah. There were Biff Wellington, Jerry Morrow, uh, some of the Sings. Um, who else was up there, man? There were definitely Cal- uh, Calgary guys. And it got to the point, was it like... Well, because I, for- I, I actually went up there and I did my first... T- they would run every Saturday across from the Saddle Dome uh, at what they call Victoria Park Community Center. And just a little, like, bingo hall kind of small. You know, maybe put 100 people in there. You know, I put up the rings, took it down, worked opening match for free. You know, but the whole thing What was is, your wrestling name? Uh, PJ Walker. Okay. And uh, don't ask why. Well, now I have to ask why. Of course. <laughs> Peter Joseph, that's my real name. And I always, like, wanted to be in Because I figured I was, like, 230 gassed to the gills, like, big. And, like, but back then, that was small. So I was like, <laughs> I got to be, like, this aerial artist. So I was like, I was going to be PJ Sky there it is. Walker. It's kind of like Evan Bourne. And I'm a big, Airborne. Uh, and I'm a big uh, Star Wars mark. Are you? So, oh, huge. Really? Yeah. Like, really bad. I, I can't have a... 
I can't. can't really, I'm can't not. Really. I'm not against it. I just can't have a conversation. I don't know. I saw. <laughs> sorry. Whoa. <laughs> not good. Almost ended up. But uh, but uh, actually, one of the things though that kind of made me. Um, when I was up there for that second run for the wrestling, you know, I told my parents, you know, yeah, I'm going to be wrestling. It's going to be great. Because I had no idea what the business entailed, like right. the sacrifices we had to make. No idea. So I would. You like, thought I'd go from training to superstardom? Well, not superstardom, but I thought I'd make money. A living. A, well, I mean, even if a modest living, I wasn't expecting to make money like that. But, you know, hey, you get a couple hundred bucks a week able to buy some girl bro i was so broke and my parents would have sent me anything i wanted and i was so like embarrassed i like literally would steal quarters from the guy's house i was staying at to put together enough money to buy a gallon of chocolate milk and that's all i would have per day for like the, i went from 220 i was gonna to say like 180 but enough to stay at 230 though no 180 no, i was i was quickly. like a skeleton no drugs right <laughs> no nothing you know just it was oof but I mean, it just you know I was, That's how we want. We just wanted it, man. Mm. You know, I mean, God, knowing if we knew what we know now, then <laughs> yeah. But that's all part of the journey. Well, isn't it, it is part of the journey, right? Uh, okay, so I mean, um, PJ Walker is doing yeah. doing the matches. Yeah, and Alda Montoya comes up. No, not not. I even. mean, through the the, through the well, yeah, through the ranks there. Um, you, well, can I say that? Yeah, like, I, I think a lot because I would obviously go and do an enhancement matches yeah. before I was signed. A lot of people do. A lot of these yeah. wrestlers, and it's a big deal to them. And there's like, there's one fact that like it will nothing will ever happen for any of us. And but there's always like that little spark of like, see, hey, maybe they'll like us. See, that's not the, that's not well. I'll give. I'll take that back. It is true to a degree, but I think a lot of guys just don't have shit to do offer or don't know how to catch people's eyes okay. you don't catch it with flash like i got cool tights or i got the you know i think body always has some vince is a mark for bodies he always looks at that what happened to me was a different generation too they uh, and that, I, all of my breaks i think came because i was in the right place at the right time right environment um when i was coming up i first of all Back then, I didn't know anybody in WWE. I went to the New Haven Coliseum, which is a place they used to run wrestling shows in, in my area, um, with my bag. Said Tony, you know, went backstage, said Mr. Gurria. He was one of the agents. Where, where did you get the mind that, okay, did yes, somebody say? what they said you do. Who of, said that? Uh, the guys in Calgary. Just show up. Just show up, introduce yourself, you okay. know. And I said, hey, you know, I know, you know, I'm, my name is such and such. I was trained by the hearts because that was kind of a pedigree. You know, like we we, we were, I hate, you know, it's, it's not like shit today, kind of. We were trained, but we were trained right. You know, I, Keith didn't have a lot. Like the tradition and the values of what people look for in wrestling, that got instilled in me early, like the proper way to go about, uh, go about it. And we were taught like how to. Uh, present yourself, how to introduce yourself, how to respect others. And, you know, that was really hammered in big time, like always. So at that point, I'd probably been around the business six, seven months. I, I mean, that's all I knew, you know, was just how to kind of. So, yeah, one day I said I had balls. I said I went up there and I said, you know, Tony Gurria, plus he's a super nice guy. I got lucky meeting him. My name is such and such. Um, you know, I just trained with the Hearts in Calgary. And right there, that got his attention. You know, I said, you know, I'm from this area. You know, I'm in Waterbury, Connecticut. The office is in Stanford. I said, I know you guys do a lot of stuff around here. You know, I know, you know, whatever, you may not be able to use me tonight. Because uh, they were using jobbers sometimes if somebody got hurt at the house shows. Whatever. So it was a house show? It was a house show, okay. yeah, yeah. 
And uh, so he took my name and stuff. And he goes, well, uh, you know, young man, you could, you're welcome to watch the show. So I watched the show from the back. You have to do it like him, please. Uh, you know, young man, you could watch the show from <laughs> the back. Uh, but, uh, you know, so, I, you know, whatever. And I made some contacts, you know, but I was like a fly on the wall. I didn't, you know, very, you know, I'm that way norm right now i'm a very quiet kind of guy so uh one day they just um they you know i got a phone call saying uh we're doing this new show every week in uh on in manhattan called monday night raw uh could you please come you know we'll pay you 150 dollars and all right cool Huge. so all right cool or oh, holy shit 150 I was, no, I, was very ex- <laughs> I was very excited right and uh that night i went down there it wasn't the first episode but maybe the second or third ever episode i wrestled uh the narcissist lex luger and uh, you know, actually made a couple magazines and he as PJ Walker as PJ Walker with my Shawn Michaels wannabe rocker tights and bad hair and uh, and actually there was a picture on in the magazines of like Lex holding my face to the mirror, calling me a dog face beagle, and uh, very cool. I thought like, wow. Your wife calls you that to this to this day to now. this day, absolutely. <laughs> but it was so cool, you know. There's you know Lex Luger and uh, you know. Is just and then from there on they you know I bumped real well because I was always taught you know make these guys uh, you know if you're gonna do a job do it right so I always sold you know as best I could I took you know if you gave me a turnbuckle I'd make that motherfucker pop because back then you could make the turnbuckle like Brett used to do like mm-hmm. make them pop and we learned how to do that up there you know Lance and, and Keith Hart actually did help us learn how to do the fucking the turnbuckle gimmick so I teaching that's kind of a trick huh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. dude. So I always used to take hard buckles, and there was just certain things I knew how to do well. I knew how to sell well. I knew how to, you know, and I looked okay. I mean, I was in good good shape. I was a young man. A lot of man. chocolate milk, a lot of gallons of chocolate milk. Well, at the time, I don't think I was on anything. I'm no, I, sure. I'm an actual, oh, the yeah. quarters that you yeah. put together yeah, to get yeah, chocolate no shit. But, uh, and then it just kept kind of snowballing to where uh, I was doing them all the time. And then uh, one of my breaks was, and I, this was nothing obviously for me, but they liked my work. They would give me dark matches occasionally. And Razor and IRS were doing an angle, and Scott always liked me from day one. I don't know why. He always kind of picks a young boy. So uh, they had me and uh, IRS in a match on Monday Night Raw where Razor comes down to kind of get in his face, and, uh, and I schoolboyed him. So Mike Rotunda lost the match because of Razor's. Not interference, but kind of distraction. Mm-hmm. So that really kind of didn't blow me up in WWE, but the Mark magazines and the you know. So then in the indie scene, I then I got a billing. I'm the man who pinned IRS, right. you know. So they ran, you know, all the indie promoters ran. With some that. people, if you had never gone any further, would still be still using be <laughs> enough, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> and I'm still a fucking baby at this point. So uh, Wait, and, now, 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 you said Rezzer takes takes a liking to you, yeah. but it can't just be him. And do you? I know why. No, it wasn't just him. But I know why, and I, I say to this a lot. I did a seminar yesterday, and someone asked me like, "How do you be successful?" And I was just like, "You know what? Don't be an asshole." Yeah. Like I go yeah. use common sense. Yeah. Like, yeah. can you just relate? Like everyone yeah, else is going to be an idiot. No, absolutely, yeah. dude. So by not I, being I do, an idiot, absolutely. yeah, I, I was. You know, people. These people. I, I didn't realize, and I, you know, I, I didn't for until it was a little too late. How. Uh, diabolical (laughs) and how uh just like these people are just some of these people are scumbag people Mm. and i was just like this like oh it almost was like too easy for people like you you know to get me so they wouldn't like oh let's not even fuck with pj it's like not fun right you know like i just was so happy to be you know there and so good to everybody like if somebody would say carry my bags i wouldn't be like i ain't even give them out yes sir 
and carry their bags. But then I'd go out there and also be pretty decent. Not like spectacular, like doing anything outrageous, but I was reliable. I looked okay, and I got the job done. And everybody liked working with me because you work with me, you never get hurt. Nothing ever gets fucked up. To this day, I can honestly say you could ask anybody. I've never, through anything, I, I've never hurt anybody. Might have stiffed somebody, sure. but not even too many times at those. Pretty fucking light. Right. I'm good to work with. But also, <laughs> no, normal, too. I can... Huh? I, I think normal goes in there too. Like normal you lay that list, yeah. but like normal, yeah. you're a normal, normal guy. Just, it just there's a lot of, you know, and but location had a lot to do with it too. It all came to play um, because back then WWE or WWF, whatever, was hurting financially. It was the time of Vince's trial, gotcha. And they weren't using guys like back then. They'd even fly jobbers sometimes, like the bigger name jobbers, like Barry Horowitz. You know, so they were really utilizing the Northeast for their TV, so the trucks didn't have to travel far. I mean, they were really so. I was in the perfect time and place for what was going on in the, in the Monday Night Raw thing coming out of Manhattan. But what really broke me, and then started the, the whole trip, was uh, the Brian Lee Faker Taker thing. I live 45 minutes from the office. Um, Tony Gria calls me. Hey, uh, we need you to come down and work with this guy in the ring for a week. Take bumps for him. Pay you the usual buck fifty. Sure. You know, I'm right. This is just at their facility? At the facility, This is yeah, hidden yeah. secret stuff? Secret stuff, yeah, absolutely. So me, Mark, Mark Calloway, uh, and Brian Lee, all week long, full days pretty much, you know, uh, hanging and banging, doing Taker. His, you know, t- Mark's in there, Brian's in there to master his movements and blah, blah, blah for the, the gimmick. <clears throat> long story short, uh, come Friday, because uh, TVs were Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday back then, um... Uh, Vince and Pat Patterson, who Pat still had a lot of, you know, and he was like with the main one of the main guys at that point still, um, come down for a full dress rehearsal, and and Mark was there as well watching. So it was those three: Vince, Pat, and Mark, myself, and Brian Lee, only people in the building. Uh, so they whole go through the whole walk through the match that we're gonna do on TV. Typical taker squash, you know. Excuse me, and uh, you know it's over. Yeah, everybody's kind of happy. Yay, 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 whatever. You're quiet as a wall. Oh, no, fly. I mean, I'm, I'm quiet. I, I spoke when I'm spo- speak when I'm spoken to. Not boisterous. Hello, Mr. McMahon, sir, Ms. Patterson. That's it. Mark was always, Mark and I to this day have a good relationship. Right. He's always known him for almost 20 years. He's always been nothing but cool to me. Um, but, uh, you know, to those guys, you know, I know what's going on, but I'm trying to be chill about everything. So uh, Pat comes over. And uh, he's like, starts asking me a bunch of questions. Yeah, you're pretty good. God damn it. You know, in the <laughs> French accent. I'm like, yes, sir. Thank you, sir. You know, uh, who trained you? Uh, the hearts. Yeah, really? Yeah, you look good. You look good. Uh, let me ask you something. Uh, what nationality are you, kid? I said, oh, Mr. Patterson, I'm Portuguese. Ha, no shit. Hey, Vince, we got a pork chop over here. Pork chop? Yeah, that's port- slang for Portuguese. Guy. I've never heard that. Yeah. Really? So, and he goes, ha, very good. So uh, he goes, uh, uh, you know, and I tell him kind of, yeah, my folks came over. You know, give him the whole immigration story, whatever. And, uh, and he goes, ah, do you speak it? I said, well, yeah, I speak it fluently. Um, you know, that I, and it's the truth. I learned Portuguese kind of before English because my folks were only in this country three years before I was born. So, you know, they, they speak English well now. But back then I learned Portuguese, kind of went to kindergarten, preschool, like learning it English on the fly. So, uh, anyways, and he goes, no, no shit. Vince, this kid fucking speak Portuguese. And Vince goes, huh. No sold it. That's it. Okay, very good. Thank you. See you at TV. Because I was scheduled to go to, to do the deal the following weekend. 
Anyways, uh, you know, everything, everything happened nonchalantly for a while. Uh, one day I was in Lowell, Massachusetts, uh, at this little place, Lowell Memorial Auditorium, we used to do TV, and uh, Vince wants to have a talk with me, which is really odd because nobody talks to really Vince unless you're a top guy. He goes, PJ, can I get a word with you? I'm like, yes, sir. I'm like, you know, you, you get nervous. And I hadn't heard anything other than I was doing more and more TVs, and I was always kind of, you know, around. Uh, but you're still just a kid. I'm a kid. Barely I'm in that Barely company. 20 years old right yeah, now, yeah. Wow. And uh, Vince, uh, there was a, it's a memorial auditorium, like I said, an old building. And he goes, and uh, we're outside. It's kind of dusk right now. And he goes, see that flag? That's the flag of America, greatest nation in the world. That flag is kind of like the WWE, or WWF, excuse me. We're the land of opportunity. PJ, I'm about to give you an opportunity. You know, and he gave me the whole opportunity speech. Did this sound cheesy to you, like looking back? Oh, I know it was a gimmick. You know, like you have to sell me on, like he was giving me the pitch, but right. like he's got to pitch me. It's like, dude, you could fucking tell me to go set up the ring, take it down, give me 50 bucks. I would have been like, yes, sir. <laughs> It'd be the greatest 50 bucks you ever made. <laughs> and anyways, so that was the start of uh, the whole time anyways. They, they had the Aldo thing drawn up. They were just looking. That was the whole purpose of the story. They had Aldo drawn up. Aldo was originally a soccer player because it was around World Cup time. Get out of here. In 95. 95, 96 World Cup, they were planning on going. So Aldo was originally a soccer player. I still have drawings of Aldo as a soccer player somewhere in my house. i got to find them. That's so cool. And uh, then uh, they decided to change it and do the the Power Ranger because that was over. Mm. Uh, it didn't look like a Power Ranger, but whatever. Did they have anybody in mind for that Aldo at all? Had you ever no, talked to anybody about no, that? It's no. just a character. It was. They were looking for a Portuguese guy that could speak Portuguese because wow. they were going to Brazil so when, and, and, and Europe. When Patterson goes, we got a pork chop, like, in both of their heads. Right, right. You know? They knew what was going on. Right, right, right. But I'm just like, well, maybe they're like, I don't know. They got heat with the Portuguese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah, man. It was, uh, like I said, um, I think talent got me somewhere. Uh, a little bit of everything, but I was certainly, I'm not, I never kid myself to this day about what I am and what I can do. But I certainly was in the right place at the right time. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, it's it's an amazing story. <laughs> it's you know? and and then you took it. You know, we you took it so you took it far. Yeah, uh, I you know I, I we can't really get into it so much, but I mean I was a huge ECW fan. Yeah, man. And like I think there's I think everyone has a little. You know, it's the story of of people in wrestling, and I think everyone always was like maybe because you were even an underdog as PJ Walker yeah. getting that spot and everyone was like that's awesome he got that and then when you went to ecw and like and what was that the sasuke pin right yeah yeah. and like just as a fan just being like yes holy like somebody recognizes it and then not only is that somebody like we all know it's uh Heyman who we're all like underdog fans of because he's like against everything right Right. you know and and the whole the whole beauty of i mean you know with that is i mean it was it that was it was the period of time it came in, but it was a dream for anybody. I mean, anybody like us, and I say us because I, I'm pretty fucking positive that you have the same thing that goes inside you that I did and a lot of the other guys that's, that are like us, that we just loved this business so much. And ECW was all about that. And if you had that in you, you were going to be successful. And, you know, and it, people are under the impression, 
that you know a lot of people struggled in ECW, which they did financially. But it was a lot of like the economy is today. A lot of people struggled. A lot of people didn't. I didn't never struggled. I don't know. It's because I was in WWE and Vince and him. Because originally I was when I was done with Aldo, I was frustrated. I had a meeting with Vince saying, "Look, dude, do something with me." Because Scott and Kevin had just gone over, and I talked to them, and they were like, "Dude, we got a contract waiting for you. Just get your release." I don't know what I would have done over there, but whatever, I would have made seven. money. You'd have been seven. I would have made money next to six, you know. <laughs> and um, you know, and they, Vince said, "Absolutely not." You know, but uh, Heyman, you know, he'd send me to Heyman. And I was, uh, towards the end of my run, I was getting twenty two fifty a week to work Fridays and Saturdays. And my yeah. wife had a job. My wife, to this day, I had a job doing merch, uh, making a buck fifty a night, with trans paid for both of us. She was, they were, she was flying my wife, too. She was the merch girl. Yeah, so, I mean, we were making money, like $2,500 a week to wrestle in a place I loved, being creative. Putting on matches, like, I was, you know, and then when they gave me the belt, like, not to be a mark about it, but I was being a mark about it, because I wasn't being a mark about it, like, I'm the world champion, but I felt, you know what, this is a fucking the coolest company on earth right now, right? and I'm a representative as a champion, so I was like, I'm going to go out there, house shows, pay-per-views, TVs, and just, it, it didn't matter if I was wrestling Chris Chetty, Supernova, in front of 300 people, or at the ECW Arena in front of Shane Douglas, I was going hard and you know just work you know what i mean i wanted to that was my time to niche you know to have that little block where i could say i was somebody mm. you know what i mean mm. and that was my mark moment to where i you know and that was more than i ever thought i could get right you know i never As an thought 18 I could year get old there. at the heart yeah i never thought i could be a, a champion i am going from the guy with the foam belt <laughs> to being you know the top guy of a even though it was a third company it was a pretty fucking cool it was company. cool man yeah it was the best co- i'm sorry but you know, I'm not, you know, it's unfortunate that that's kind of, you know, all I have, really, because my runs in WWE all kind of sucked, really, you know. But um, it was, it was, you know, if that's what it ends up ever being. Yeah. I'm cool you don't got to sell me on that, man. No, but I'm I, yeah. cool with that. No, you no. Know, I've already kind of conformed <laughs> right. to myself. I was like, you know what, I had a nice, nice little, you know, I've seen a lot. I've done a lot. I'm yeah. cool. You know? Yeah. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. Uh, before we get out of here, let's, yeah, man. let's on the... Uh, um, oh, that's just uh, that's a, this is a duality kind of gimmick. The tattoo. I'm sorry, yeah, I went yeah, back the to the tat. tattoo. Um, I, a uh, this is a this is it's scabbing right now, but uh, the tri it's a triangle. It, they call it a triad. A it's like uh, a recovery tattoo, um, like that symbolizes you know new life and recovery, and also I'm a huge mark for Thirty Seconds to Mars. So it serves as both because <laughs> right. this is actually you know the thirty seconds to Mars symbol. So I just thought it'd be kind of cool, and it was right. It's right over my heroin track mark. So every time I kind of look at it, it reminds me of what it is now and what it would be like if I ever went back. Right. And that's where you would put the needle, and that that's I your was, place. Yeah, that's your place. That's, yeah, right. that's right there. So mm-hmm. it kind of gives me you know just a reminder a daily reminder really to kind of stay the course you know i mean i know it's kind of corny but it makes sense to me fuck man take we'll do whatever you know make however corny you want it to be I, I personally you know i've never been as happy as i am right now um you know fans have kind of come out in support of me and i've just caught the wave of i don't know this you know the kind of you know recover i don't know the whole ddp yoga thing i'm kind of bunched in with scott because i'm his friend but i'm i have nothing to do with dallas i haven't really even talked to dallas i just happened to get the program for free in the mail which i'm very grateful for and you know and it's an awesome program and 
I'm just happy to be fucking – I just want to get relevant again. And what I mean by that is I don't care if I – you know, I'm realistic. I, if I failed in WWE twice, I doubt I'll be back on Raw anytime soon rocking it in the fucking free world, dude. <laughs> you know? But I want to just have a place in this business, wherever that may be. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense. Because I still have so much in here to kind of offer. And especially now that I'm clear-headed for the first time, really in 20 years. Mm. Since I'm told, telling you those stories, I was doing drugs around that time. So this is the first time I've really had any lengthy period, this amount of time, with a clear mind. And I just feel like if I conquered the world, then I, you know, I still think I, you know, I know the business has changed. And the, the, the landscape has obviously changed because there's TNA, which is the shit. And then there's Vince, which is the game. And then there's the Indies, which are the Indies. Mm. So I would just like to find, even if I went to fucking NXT and trained those fucking guys, worked opening match at NXT just to get in the ring and be just a wrestler. I still love fucking wrestling. Because to me, I always wanted to be a musician, but, you know, I also like not wanting to be, but I like to be a musician, but I never had the chops to ever do anything musically. You have so nothing. That, nothing. Well, I mean, I could play guitar and shit, but not uh, on a level. But I love the fact, like, if you know like, your saying? dream is to be a musician, but you literally have no, you know but nothing. But I know <laughs> I couldn't make it. With wrestling, I always thought I could. Right, right, right. Sort of, you know, like yeah. when I went, it's funny, you see, we're back on this real quick. I know we're short on time. Um, I, I wanted to this is like one of those things where I never thought I would have failed like I went at it completely thinking and that just shows, it goes to show you I think the power of the human mind I never thought I would fail I never had a backup plan what about college fuck college I'm going to be a pro wrestler yeah. like I really was convinced I'm going to make a living at this and lo and behold I did but if I thought well I better get my degree because I don't think I'm, you know I would have bailed out in Memphis when I was making 40 bucks a night you know what I mean that kind of thing because I did go to Memphis in between ECW and WWE that's thrown in there but you know yeah. I would have bailed a a long time ago i just never thought i wasn't gonna make it yeah. so i think you know yeah i just couldn't didn't have the chops to be a rock star so it's my way to entertain people and i really like entertaining people that's great that's great yeah. We're, uh you're on twitter yes pj Polacco at pj Polacco because everybody's like there's like a million just incredibles so uh, i just figured uh, i can't sense. take pj Polacco. right <laughs> and uh i got a fan page on facebook called believe in just incredible and uh, my YouTube channel, which is just my real name, Peter Polacco. What do you so. put on? You put those videos that you've been putting up. Just like, yeah, I don't like to do a lot because, you know, after a while, it's like, all right, yeah, he's talking about it. He's sober again. Or he's, you know, doing. Right. I just like kind of something if I'm feeling something. Like every once a month, I'll put something on there. Just me talking on my fucking just pointing a phone at myself. Can I suggest something to you? Please. I have no creativity right now. And, but you are a creative person, yes? Yeah, I, I'd like to think right. so. Right. And it shows over your But I, I don't think I'm an innovative innovative guy okay that's what but i'm gonna say like because you know as wrestlers and when this all this stuff first started for me when i got fired you know it's back to twice a week or whatever and we want to be working i'd love to work seven days a week as a hard worker as a a man from an immigrant family i'm sure that's beaten into you yeah man so it's like uh i you know i don't know what it is for you but like find you know embrace this world the internet the podcast you know podcast youtube whatever there's so much cool stuff even like if you were to do like funny vines, I, I tell people like there's ways to be like uh, to get that mind going and get that creative right. going with wrestling. Like use it for wrestling, but put it in a different platform. It doesn't have to be in a wrestling ring. Sure. So like I'd throw that to you. Like I'd ask you to like start thinking about like hey, 
okay, I, I can't because the problem was is a lot of us wrestlers, and you know this well as an independent wrestler, you know, after ECW and whatnot, and after WWE, ECW is, is we just wait for people to book us. And right. like I can't wait for somebody to call, so yes, I can go do something Saturday right. or Sunday. And it's right. like uh, you use we can use the wrestling platform as like something. There's a whole bunch of different platforms, yeah, I guess and I'd say to you like take harness all that stuff yeah. and throw and, and find something that, that you like in doing writing, enjoying. Yeah. I don't even know yeah. blogging. Be a blogger, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just wish I had you know. I always I worked well with partners. Like I wish I had somebody. Like I always and I now I de- I know why Razor did this. Like you always like to have a young guy to keep him kind of fresh and young. In right. business, like to kind of like let him know, hey, I'm an old man, not an old man, but I'm older, you know, kind of keep me young, kid. Mm. And like, I always like, I kind of look for that in the locker room. And I, I always, I, I just, you know, wish I could find like somebody that I could be like, I have my partner in crime. Right. So, any young, talented wrestlers that could take me places, <laughs> take, take you under <laughs> take his me wing. to that next level, brother. <laughs> awesome. You were great, man. Thank you, sir. It was a pleasure. Yo, stop and stop calling me sir, also. <laughs> Thanks, bud. It's so listen, shortly after this conversation, Justin started doing his own YouTube show, Wrestling 101 with Justin Credible. He's at it. He's going at it. We're talking. We're texting. We're on Voxer. I'm proud of him. I'm proud of him. Keep it up, Justin. We're all rooting for you, bud. All right, before we get out of here, let's get into some plugs and upcoming events. All right, the best way you could support, make a purchase over at coldmerch.com and digitalcult.com. Live from the studio, T-shirts are now up. I have a Twitter, at Cold Cabana. Follow me. I've got a very public email if you got something to email to me, coltwrestling at gmail.com. Maybe your promoter want to put me on your upcoming show or convention. Every single Monday night, Marty and I, we are YouTube stars. Worstpromoever.com. Head on over to the website, welovecult.com. On there, I have a mailing address for my PO box. I love getting snail mail. Also, sign up for the monthly newsletter, no spam. Bonus worst promo ever material will come every month to you in the Facebook slash AOW podcast. Upcoming tonight, if you're listening, Thursday, July 11th, Los Angeles, California. I will be chaperoning Matt Classic to LuchaVavoom.com. Friday, July 12th, Waterloo, Iowa, the National Wrestling Hall of Fame, ImpactProWrestling.com. There's going to be a lot of activities going on there. I'll be doing the wrestling. Saturday, July 13th, Ottawa, Canada, Acclaim Pro Wrestling. Friday, July 19th, Brooklyn, New York, TheLotusWrestlingCenter.com. And then Saturday, July 20th, also in Brooklyn, I'm doing an afternoon podcast. It's only five bucks. It's a little experiment. We'll see if we get some people out for that. TinyURL.com slash AOW Brooklyn. Sunday, July 21st, Providence, Rhode Island, Facebook slash Beyond Wrestling. Saturday, July 27th, Orlando, Florida. On Twitter, check them out, at USA Pro Wrestling. And then all of August, I will be in Edinburgh, Scotland, the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Myself and Brendan Burns are doing commentary over wrestling around midnight. Please come to this show. I want to do this in front of people. I did it in Vancouver before people were getting shot at at the Ring of Ding Dong Dandy show with Graham Clark. It was so much fun. I think it's a real winner. That was a packed house. Let's pack some house out there in Edinburgh. Tinyurl.com slash Colt in Scotland. Cheap tickets. Come watch wrestling with Brendan and I. All right, guys. Big thank you to you for listening at home. 
Thank God that I'm alive. Thanks to Cable Guy Jeff and Stu Stone. Thanks to Kid Russell and Matt Jenkins on the music. Big thanks to Hulu Plus. Head on over to HuluPlus.com slash Colt in all lowercase letters for your free extended trial. Go watch some TV on something other than your television. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. This has been the Art of Wrestling. For Colt Cabana, I'm Colt Cabana. Thanks.